The Neutral Position presents the wrap-up with Nick Palashano. Unpleasant or repulsive, especially in appearance. Adjective. The word is ugly. We're talking about the most heinous, eye-bending, gag-inducing dog chew on the planet. We're talking about ugly chews. You see, when you take cowhide, clean it by hand, and sun cure it with no chemicals, it doesn't look like a cute dog bone or rawhide, but it also doesn't sit in your dog's stomach forever or cause digestion issues. So while we see a hairy mess that we don't want to touch in any way, shape, or form, your dog, the natural predator that he or she is, yes, even Mitzi the toy poodle, has some wolf DNA in there. That dog just sees gorgeous, delicious, healthy nature. So if you want to give your dog the experience of a lifetime while Dreamweaver plays and the world moves in glorious slow motion, then get your dog an Ugly Chew at UglyChews.com. That's UglyChews.com. Title 42, the pandemic-era policy dealing with restricted migration across the U.S. border from Mexico, is about to expire, and many experts are concerned. There are currently 8,000 migration attempts daily from Mexico, including both legal asylum attempts and illegal border crossings. With the lifting of the more restrictive Title 42 policy, many believe the daily attempts will jump to 10,000 or even 15,000. Even under Title 42, the challenges have been significant at the border. The migrant facilities are full, leading to people living in homeless shelters or on the streets near food banks. Many food banks, even with the help of organizations like the American Red Cross, have shifted from delivering three meals a day to only two. When Southern governors complained about these issues, they faced harsh criticism from more liberal Northern stronghold states and began shipping migrants to places like Martha's Vineyard and New York City. One can certainly argue that these were potentially inhumane movements. Nevertheless, New York City receives about 800 migrants a day, and even though they only had about 50,000 migrants total, they claim to be exceeding their capacity. When Mayor Eric Adams recently tried to himself ship migrants from his city to a neighboring county, that county declared a state of emergency, essentially making it impossible to place migrants in hotels, Airbnbs, and the like, eliminating Adams' option there. When he started to shift focus to another county, they also declared states of emergency. Without passing any judgment, we have a complex situation here where everyone likes to argue that helping migrants is the right thing to do, but no one seems to want them in their own backyard. Now, I'm a huge fan of legal immigration. As the son of an immigrant, I believe legal immigrants are some of the most hardworking, contributing members of our society. But we are having a harder and harder time dealing with both illegal immigration and asylum seekers. So, gentlemen, what's the answer? What would you do if you were the governor? Well... I don't know that, you know, I have many answers on this subject. It seems like as a country. Dan, we've come to you for answers. It seems every time you make that lame-ass comment, there, we get 60 comments online about well, the guy doesn't have, a, doesn't have any experience or any knowledge. Get somebody else. So that, that God stop, damn it, Dan. Stop using that old, worn-out line <laughs> and just say what you really think. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I, I didn't ask to be on the rap today. <laughs> Gentlemen, I have no experience. (laughs) Gentlemen, what do you think? I think that it's been funny to watch the logic pretzel that both sides have found themselves in over this issue. If you go back to the start of Title 42, you know, you've got Trump and the Republicans citing COVID as a reason to keep people out. Yep. You know, when you've got 
a lot, you know, I'm not saying every Republican falls into this, but you know, the anti-vaxxers, the COVID is a hoax. You got them citing COVID to keep people out. And then you got the Democrats calling them inhumane for not letting people in, but they're the ones who are obsessed with COVID, you know? And so it's like, but that's the reason they're saying out. So it was this huge logic pretzel the whole time. Um, you know, the one thing I do know is that chaos is not good and we are on the verge of chaos. You've got, you've actually got democratic, uh, governors and senators and stuff from states like Arizona saying maybe not as pointedly as the Republicans, but saying that this is about to be a huge issue. I think the shame of it all is some of the rhetoric that's, that's been born out of this, you know, um, you know, maybe people on the far right, you know, accusing immigrants as uh, you know, calling them murderers and rapists, you know, and then people on the left calling Republicans inhumane, uh, you know, and so it, it creates this, it's terrible rhetoric that's not good for the country. But um, ultimately, there's going to be a bunch of people asking for asylum. Like you said in your in your monologue, there's going to be overcrowd. Over, there are going to be legitimate inhumane conditions created for, you know, no fault of ours. And um, sure. like you said, everyone is uh, pro-immigration until it's in your front yard. And, and the immigrants that do go through the proper channels, you know, it should be offensive to them, you know, when, when people get, you know, it's like when you work hard for something yeah. and then someone gets it for free, no one likes that. Well, I mean, I'll throw out an, a perfect example is we have Afghans that have, that served with, you know, the United States for a decade that are still waiting for their immigration status to change so that they're accepted into the United States while they're literally dodging the Taliban in either Afghanistan or they're living in, you know, harsh conditions in Pakistan or Africa or like wherever they've managed to find like a place. And these are people that are vetted, that served, that did all these things. They're waiting for the State Department. Meanwhile, somebody can just walk across the border and, and claim asylum. Now, I, I'm not trying to be harsh, but we do have like a very different standard depending on who you are. Hollywood, in the back, sir. And when one of those Afghan interpreters or commandos that fought with us managed to find his way to the Mexican border, what happened to him? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's right. The, the, the one Afghan that thought, well, hey, nothing is happening here, like in, in Afghanistan. So he basically hitched a ride around the world, got to like Guatemala and started walking and, and, and got, got to the Mexican border, you know, and turned himself, claimed asylum, gets arrested, gets put in prison. They're going to send him back to Afghanistan. I mean, it got solved because like the entire country was up in arms about it. But I mean, we were going to send the guy that was want, like the Taliban wanted to kill back to Afghanistan. Yeah, it's like a dark comedy. Maybe, because, right? Yeah, it's like absurd, right? <laughs> imagine, imagine the journey this guy was on, yeah. you know, having never left Afghanistan. And then he's, you know, traveling the ocean, yeah. and, you know, yeah. landing in South America and walking and drive, hitching rides. And yeah. like, I finally made it to the promised yeah. land. We're sending you back. He you crosses know? the ocean on a single piece of driftwood. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It's like, put cuffs on him. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to America. Yeah. We're sending you back. What? Yeah, there's so many different variations of people who are coming to this country. Um, people are looking for asylum. People are looking for safety, a better life. People who want to work. And there's people who come here with much more negative intent. Sure. Um, and it is easy to turn a blind eye to a situation that's not in your backyard. Uh, from my experience in my neighborhoods growing up, we had illegal immigrants. And they were some of the kindest people that I've ever come across very hardworking. So I do think it's important that we show empathy for the people who 
are coming here to try to have a better life, make something for themselves, their family, their, their family's legacies. Um, but probably should start taking a look at where the families are being affected at the most and, and the front line or those border communities. And as you mentioned, both of you stated that all of the resources there are being taken up by people coming in and we need to yeah. try to allocate more resources to help out the food banks, the shelters, and the, where the stream well, I mean, is being I, at. I think there's also the fundamental question of like, should we be allowing this many people to come in? Like a fundamental question, right? And I'm not, I'm not saying, you know, one way or the other what the answer is, but you know, one of the things that's going to happen with the expiration of Title 42 is we go back to Title 8. Under Title 8, if you come into the country illegally and you're expelled, you cannot re-enter the country for five years. Oh, wow. And if you do it again, then you can never re-enter the country, as I understand it. I could be wrong on that. But certainly, if you get caught being in the country illegally, you're expelled for five years. Now, this, this is potentially going to cause a major problem because you now have people that have been living here illegally for a long period of time. If they haven't done anything to change that status, you know, you could have people that essentially have grown up as Americans that get caught and get kicked out. So there's a lot there's a lot of there's a lot of immigration challenges coming up. Still come back to the idea that people that come here legally should be welcomed with open arms. I, I, I don't feel great about people that are kind of cutting the line not going through the steps necessary um, because that's also, you know, that's also if you, you know, it can be 99 people that are coming just to try to make a better life for their family. And I'm not begrudging them that, but then, you know, that one out of a hundred is here for the cartels. Mm -hmm. That one sure. out of a hundred is here for some nefarious reason, dodging the Mexican police. They're in trouble in Mexico. So they, and that's a real thing. And it's, I don't think it's appropriate. Like, even though, like you said, it's, it's insane to have this dialogue where everyone coming across the border is a murderer and a rapist. Like yeah. that's, that is an insane comment, yeah. but it stems from that. There are a few for sure. Mm -hmm. And those people aren't coming across the border legally. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, absolutely. You know, so it's a tough, it's a tough thing. I don't think we've solved it today, but I do think that it needs to be a nationwide solution as opposed to putting it just on El Paso. And I, and I don't want, what I don't want to see is, you know, I'm afraid that, you know, it's going to title 42 is going to go away. And then, you know, the administration is going to focus on the economy and all these other things and not, and this is just going to fall away into the background and you're going to leave people in El Paso, people in Arizona and stuff to deal with it, which I don't think that's right. Because then you, you, you know, you create chaos for them. Like I said in the beginning, chaos is never good. Mm -hmm. If you have been deported from the United States and you return or even attempt to return to the U.S. without permission to do so, you can be arrested for illegal reentry after deportation, felony, and forever banned from entering the U.S. even under legal conditions. Nailed it. I nailed it. Look at that, Hollywood. Thanks for coming through with that. I thought Dan would have my back, but you know how he is. <laughs> All right, moving on to our next critical topic. Hey guys, Diesel Jack Media has just opened up our new studio. And while we're getting things spun up, I've tasked the team with making as many videos as possible. To kick that off, we are launching a limited time 
$500 video option. Here's the way it works. You go to dieseljackmedia.com under video production, choose the $500 video, purchase it for $500. You get to choose one of three things. How weird do you want the video? Do you want it normal? Do you want it a little funky? Or do you want it weird as f Once you choose that, you reach out to us at hello at dieseljackmedia.com. We'll write you if you don't write us, and we'll ask you to send us your product or tell us about your service. Then we execute. You don't get any say in the matter. We turn it around in one week. It's going to be a high quality video that you can absolutely use in an advertisement, depending on how weird you wanted it. And that's it. And so far it's been a phenomenal product. We've made a lot of small businesses happy. If you're a small business and you need a video on the cheap featuring your product, featuring your service, or just as a joke to one of your friends or something like that, the $500 video at dieseljackmedia.com is the way to go. This week marks the official end of the COVID state of emergency, bringing an end to one of the weirdest, saddest, and oddly contentious moments in American history. By bringing the emergency to a close, COVID testing and vaccines are no longer free. They're now only covered by medical insurance. Data tracking will significantly decrease as well, so we won't get our daily COVID update anymore. Medicaid access will be reduced to pre-pandemic levels and users will go back to having to apply on an annual basis for their benefit. Most importantly, however, the handful of hardcores that are still wearing masks won't be able to scream shrilly, we're in a pandemic, what's wrong with you? I'm obviously joking they'll still yell. When you think about this time in our history, what comes to mind? Also, are you guys actually okay with the pandemic being over or Dan, do you need a little more time? And finally, did you come up with any new useful skills during COVID? The pandemic has been over for so long in my mind. How can you say that? Like, How can you say I that? I mean, yeah. Um, I, I actually am looking forward to seeing who is still wearing a mask. And you know, the, the, the most the special type of person is the one that alone in their car wears a mask. That was a special type of person at the beginning of the pandemic. But now it's it takes a real, you know, there's still quite a few of them in Whole Foods that wear them. But I always thought it was funny, like like people who in the last few months I've heard like, you know, yeah, when when this pandemic is over, you know, it's like, OK, it's been over. You know, and I was not an anti-vaxxer. I was not a COVID. It's not not real. But, you know, it's. It's like I forgot that it that it existed. Yeah, I haven't really thought about COVID yeah. in a while, other yeah. than every time there's a new news story about yeah. COVID. Yeah. Where are you on COVID right now? Like, are you okay with the pandemic officially being over? Yeah, so my COVID experience is much different than everyone else's, I would say. I w my COVID experience really stopped when everyone else was starting around June of 2020 when I moved to a small town in eastern North Carolina. Very red, if you will. Okay. And... COVID didn't exist there. <laughs> Many things stayed open. Uh, I still went about life uh, per usual. There was a few uh, corporations there or chained restaurants that implemented COVID restrictions. Sure. But other than that, no, the local restaurants, <laughs> the cops were in there eating. I was in there eating with them. No mask. Like no yeah. one did. No one. If I traveled about. outside of this town or outside of the state, yeah, then it was sure. Like, it was like the, it was weird, right? Right. Absolutely different. Yeah. But COVID for me ended June of 2020. I remember week two of it. I went down and like stayed with you and we walked into like a bagel shop and, and like, I felt like if I had been wearing a mask, I would have been judged, you know, like, yes, you're uh, an outsider. I always, thought the, I always thought the mask thing though. Like I, I was never super pro mask or, or anything. And, you know, obviously the science as we've learned more, it, you know, it doesn't really do anything, but at the same time, it was the smallest of inconveniences. Like minor, people who yeah, got absolutely. so upset about wearing them. It's yeah. like, 
if it makes someone else feel comfortable, even if it's silly, like it was the smallest I, of inconveniences. It wasn't something I needed to get on my high horse on and, and preach about. So I'm not saying that. Like, I, I actually don't care if people were upset about the mask or not. For me, it just comes down to individual rights. If you own the, the store, you get to decide. Yeah. Like, do people have to wear a mask in your store? If you walk into a store that says, hey, our store policy is wear a mask and you're a dick, then you're the dick. Yes, absolutely. You know, mm -hmm. if the store has a you decide what you want to do policy mm -hmm. and you walk into the store and you're wearing a mask and other people aren't and you yell at them, then you're the dick. Like it, to me, it, it's it's. And if you're inconvenienced, you get to decide, well, I'm not going to walk into a store that requires masks right. or I'm not going to walk into a store that doesn't require masks. Right. Like you can like that's personal For choice. Sure. Absolutely. You know, and, you know, the chains are going to have the policy. They're going to err on the side of safety. But to me, it, it, you know, it's you can put up a sign that says, you know, no shirt, no shoes, no service. Similarly. I mean, even today, if somebody wants to put up a sign that says you got to wear a mask to be in my store, like, hey, I'm probably not going there because yeah, yeah. now it's just ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> but like, that's cool. That's I'm fair. not I'm mm -hmm. not going to protest the store. I just it's like, hey, it doesn't even make sense anymore. Yeah, like right. we now know there's no value. But similarly, you know, while I might, uh, you know, somebody walking around with a mask now, I think is weird. I don't know if they have an underlying health condition. I don't know. You know, That's they true. might have cancer for all we know. Sure. Like, who knows? Yeah. Maybe they're not even wearing it for COVID, but they're wearing it because any disease that they get might, you know, be the, the end for them or whatever. Mm -hmm. yeah. So I, I generally don't care what people do unless it hurts other people. But the 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 psychosis of COVID became when 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 information was very uh imperfect people were very sure that either they were right about mm -hmm. not needing a vaccine or masks or very sure that you absolutely needed a vaccine and a mask and no one was very interested in listening to anyone else no and they were sure. they were very willing to say if you don't believe exactly as i do that you're a bad person um <laughs> yeah so, it was, it's really silly in retrospect looking back at it absolutely. i mean i'll tell you what i like the toilet paper shortage was still the craziest <laughs> like it made no sense. Yeah. It made no sense. It's like, like a, it's diarrhea, a symptom of COVID <laughs> I didn't know about. Pure hysteria. Yeah. Pure hysteria yeah. based on nothing. Well, I, I think it was like one, one news show mm -hmm. was like, because in one place, like they sold out a toilet paper or something, and the news was like, you know, we're out of toilet paper. And then all of a sudden, Everyone. You literally could not get toilet paper. Yeah, it, I mean, it was nuts. It's the milk and bread scenario whenever it snows. You got to get milk and bread for whatever reason. Yeah, for whatever reason. Like, what do you, you know. Think about if we had a real crisis in America, like the Russians landed in Montana or something. It, it, if we ever have a real crisis, millions of people will die. Will die. Period. You know, if we have a real crisis, like, uh, you know, somebody takes out our power grid in an area, you're talking about you know, suddenly we don't have electricity. We don't have clean water because that's run through plants. You know, we don't have heat. Like all this stuff goes away. We And our logistics train is even slowed by a week. Grocery stores run out of food. Pharmacies don't have medications. Pharmacies don't have medications. Mm -hmm. Like millions of people will die. We do not. And because things are so urban and, and because people have no skills, it's not even like we're going to be able to go hunt deer you know, and live off the land. Yeah. I mean, there's not enough. I, 
I'm just imagining a country like where the medication, like I'm imagining a country of people going through withdrawals and that it would just be the most miserable thing ever. Mm. Oh my God. We already have enough, you know, craziness and to toxicity with, without people going through withdrawals off medication. That yeah. would just be a, and I'm not, I'm not talk a prepper. About a stay at home order. I'm not a prepper. Like mm -hmm. I'm really not, you know, I do respect people that do it because, but I don't think civilization is going to end or anything. That being said, COVID did teach me that, I needed to have a couple tubs of uh, like mac and cheese. You know, the mac and cheese that will basically last forever. That's right. I've, if you've ever seen them, it's like, it's literally like five gallon jugs of mac and cheese. I've got like a couple of those. I've got, you know, like a bunch of stuff that'll, st not a ton, but enough that yeah. we, could, uh, we could, we could roll for, you know, a couple weeks while I figured out phase two. I have because a pallet of water sitting in our, in our uh, shed in Illinois. Yeah. It was like $300. It's worth it though. It's important. I mean, I mean, yeah. It's worth it, you know? And um, it's interesting because I was going to make one of those uh, those water stays, you know, out of like a, a, you can do them out of 50 gallon drums. You ever seen this? Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where, where it drips off your roof mm, in, yeah. into this 50 oh, gallon so, yeah. drum and then you have like sand and a bunch of filtration. They're actually illegal in some states right they're, they're <laughs> illegal in my county so i could get like, i could get like what? you know dragged down yeah, for yeah. why it's like ooh, nice water filtration it's like that's illegal in 30 because states. it's not you know town water or I whatever see. um so i you know i was like ah, i'm not gonna do it but it's nuts right you can't even you're slinging water filtration systems on the black market you're yeah. building just like you can't you can't live off the grid yeah, you're not right. allowed to so even people, so, you know, people that have solar paneled their house and they have Tesla batteries and stuff that are literally getting paid by the town because they're generating more power than they need. So the town actually gives them credits. Mm. Wow. But if they, if they did that same thing and, but disconnected the grid, they would be fined. Wow. Interesting. You have to live on the grid. Like there's all these weird rules. Even that, though they'll only buy so much back from you. Yes. Hmm. You could be producing more with your solar panels, if you have a windmill, whatever you're doing, that they'll only buy so much to so the other, they won't pay you for it. Yeah. But it still has to go to them. But anyway, so you can't. Anyway, control. the one thing that I personally learned, I'll, leave, I'll give you both a chance to give your parting COVID thoughts, and we won't talk about COVID anymore unless something else COVID related happens. But the thing that I learned more than anything, and I say this on the show all the time, is that we really are just fancy monkeys because if we were rational creatures, like there would have been like an orderly process to all of it. Like, hey, here's the new information. Let's adjust accordingly. But instead we all immediately reacted emotionally, clung to whatever belief we had at the beginning and held on to that for literal years, despite information of the contrary. So important to try to look at things objective uh, from an objective point of view and admit when something that you thought was wrong, it lit it will change yep. your life. Being able to say that I was wrong and I need to assess new information will change your life more than anything else that you do. Right. There it is. In There's my point of COVID wisdom. <laughs> yeah. When, where most people, they find one nugget that they were right about and then use that to say everything. I everything else, everything else was right. Yeah, the one thing right. I learned was when in doubt, the spouse did it. I listened to a lot of true crime, watched a lot of true crime documentaries. So it's usually the husband or the wife. 
Was there a lot of murder during COVID? I think there was, right? <laughs> I'm not sure. I think there was like an in, a sharp increase in like domestic violence and murder. There, I'm sure there was. Imagine after you had this yeah. 12, 14 hours a day with your partner. I mean, yeah. I mean, I had bruises all over my body barely, from. Barely be there for two I mean, I, I really like my wife and also we work together. So they're like, they're, she never escapes me. Yeah. She's always, it's like, oh. I'll go to the office. There she is. I'm home. There she is. <laughs> yeah. I was covered in bruises from my girlfriend at the time. So. <laughs> but I also didn't. Black and blue. <laughs> I also didn't ever stop working. Like it was, it almost didn't affect me. Yeah. Other than I had to wear a mask sometimes. Cam, parting COVID thoughts. Yeah, absolutely. Um, jump back to your comment earlier about elderly people and their underlying conditions. Whereas in this town, there was a lot of disassociation from COVID. There was a lot of respect for the elderly people in the community because it was retirement. So we did show respect by wearing masks if there was an elderly person in the room or wherever cool. we were at. So there was that piece of respect. Uh, so that was a very nice to see and appreciative. And we came together through that, even though there was differences in COVID and how people felt, they came together as a community and showed respect for one another. That's cool. So that was nice to see, absolutely. Uh, but during COVID, I was on a coastal town. so. I restored a boat and uh, my skill sets became uh, learning uh, boats inside and out and being on the water. Nice. What kind of boat? Uh, the first one I renovated was a 1987 Grumman. It was a 24 foot pontoon. Yeah, very cool. Uh, yeah, so we redid the whole flooring and everything. It was great, a lot of fun. Uh, learned to fish off of it and uh, end up scaling the fish, cooking the fish, cleaning the fish all on the boat. So. Really cool skill set to learn that yeah. I didn't have prior to COVID. I, I grew up on the water and I, I still miss it. That yeah. was my whole, my childhood after, uh, once I got back to New England after leaving Italy was at night, I would throw out a minnow trap, um, get up in the morning, fish for snapper blues and pogies, nice. and then go out on the boat uh, like during dusk and throw the the snappers and the pogies on the hook and fish for stripers and bluefish that was literally my entire childhood every day it's amazing like, a couple yeah. of fishermen it cutting it awesome. up yeah. it was awesome yeah Siemens. all right moving on to the most important story of the day one that will blow your mind <laughs> have you ever thought to yourself this chicken that i've prepared tastes like well chicken and then you realize that adding salt and pepper to your food isn't enough. It's a sad and pathetic attempt at cooking meat. And you start wondering if you've wasted your whole life. If every day up until now was futile, just the end of a burned out matchstick, still smoldering as the light leaves you for all time. Well, that's okay. The first step to fixing your problem is admitting that you have one. Dead Bird Barbecue is here to help. With nine different rubs available, you literally cannot go wrong preparing your meat. These rubs are idiot-proof. Lather your meat in this devilishly delicious rub, and it's guaranteed to make all your friends and family ask you for your recipe, which, of course, you will gatekeep like the little bee that you are. Let them keep using salt and pepper. Flavor country will be your domain. Got the rub but don't know how to prepare your meat? Dead Bird Barbecue still has you covered. They offer a 15 step-by-step -step video with courses on their website. Courses that normally go up for $1.2 million, but Dead Bird Barbecue offers them for a fraction of a price. Visit deadbirdbarbecue.com to get the rubs you need and the skills to prepare them. That's deadbirdbarbecue.com.
It's now time to talk about the most critical story to hit all week. Mark Zuckerberg competed in his first jiu-jitsu competition, representing Gorilla Jiu-Jitsu, owned by my friend, Dave Camarillo. He got a first and second place medal in two different brackets that he competed in. The internet went nuts over the news. On the one hand, we have the people that are marketing him like a total John Wick badass. On the other hand, we have people saying that he sucks at jujitsu and he probably paid off the other guy so he could win. And to this I say, of course he sucks. He's a white belt. White belts suck. That's their job. But he's trying something new and he's willing to fail. He lost twice during the event and those videos are now everywhere. Whereas when you try jujitsu and suck, no one cares. There's no video of you on the internet, Bob. Being willing to suck is a critical thing in life. You have to suck and then try not to suck so that you can eventually actually not suck. So right now, Zuckerberg sucks. He's got a great teacher in Dave, and if he sticks with it, he'll eventually not suck, and who knows, maybe even be good in 10 years. Or should we just hate him because he's the robot Facebook guy? I don't know. Gents? I think it's funny how every time I hear about like a celebrity or something getting into like a combat sport, they always somehow win gold or silver in their first competition. <laughs> I like, what are these competitions? You know, like it's like, uh, you know, this actor, Tom Hardy, or these guys, it's like, they're, they're like the most amazing apparently right out of the gate. But I mean, yeah, it's like you said, like, I am not going to hate on the guy for taking up a hobby. So, like, so one thing about jujitsu that you need to understand is like you see these people that are always like they're always on the podium, right? Jujitsu has skillfully created so many weight classes and so many age groups. So like when I grew up doing judo, you know, like there was like kids and there was adults and you could compete in both. Like if you were like, you know, kind of 15, 16, you could jump to adults. Then there were belts and stuff. But basically, like for the most part, there were a, a good chunk of people in your category. Mm -hmm. And then mm -hmm. when I went to wrestling, like every bracket is like 16 people. So mm -hmm. if you are on the podium, you beat some people. Yeah, sure. Sometimes in jujitsu, it's like there's yeah. two people, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, so like sure. second place is like I lost, I, I did one match and I lost or participation uh, trophies. Well, they, they dice it up because everybody loves to put their medals and their podium pictures For on sure. the internet. Mm -hmm. um, you know, whereas, you know, like my wife is a, is a really skilled competitor. Like when she goes out and she like beats people and has like a good day and, and feels good about her jujitsu, she'll put the podium picture up. But when she has days where she, you know, like doesn't feel good about her jujitsu or maybe she like beat a person or, you know, or didn't beat anybody and is still on the podium because the way that, you know, she's, you know, she's, uh, you know, a certain age and a certain belt and there aren't that many women of that age and belt. So there's fewer. Com she won't put those on yeah. the Internet because yeah. she's like, I didn't you know, I didn't earn like a thing. Yeah. But most people are not like that. Most people will will unabashedly be like, mm -hmm. I got a bronze medal. And it's like you were in a bracket of three people. Yeah, you yeah. got smoked twice. Yeah. And you're like, you know, eh. yeah, for sure. Um, so, you know, it's like that meme with the guy breaking the champagne out and like, you're, you know, it looks he kisses the girl and then you see that he's like in 19th place. Yeah. So that's so just to start, that's a lot of jujitsu yeah. competitions. Yeah. So the first place that Zuckerberg got, he was mm -hmm. in a bracket of two. Yeah. yeah. And so it was the best of three with one, the one dude. Um, he got the other guy DQ'd for doing a move that wasn't allowed for white belts in the first one. <laughs> he beat Zuckerberg in the second one. <laughs> And then Zuckerberg beat him in the third. So Zuckerberg rightfully won 
but it was like out of two people. Yeah, sure. And if you watch the match, he's terrible. But that's what like white belts, so white belts are supposed to be terrible. You know, but like there was some stuff in there that was good and he's obviously learning. And if he sticks with Dave, Dave's about as good as they come. He will continue to learn. But it is like, you know, it's a different situation. You brought up Tom Hardy. Tom Hardy's actually pretty good. Yeah. I've watched him like, you know, he trains hard. He's pretty skilled. Yeah. Like he's a blue belt. You know, so he's been around it. I think he's been doing it for four or five years. Yeah. Um, not bad. Yeah, fair. I just I just feel like every time I hear someone taking up a combat sport, they win. But so but that makes but sense. But they also, if you think about it, if you're a rich dude, right? Like, you know, you want to learn jujitsu, you're like hanging out with me and I'm teaching you stuff. Yeah. Right. And I'm like, okay. But if you're a rich dude, you got Dave Camarillo. Yeah. Like Dave mm -hmm. is Dave cornered like everybody in the UFC. Yeah. He's right. amazing. Yeah. You've got Tim Kennedy. Yeah, you've got you've got the best guys. So you're learning from the best. These guys. I'm sure that Zuckerberg has spent thousands of dollars on privates. Yeah. You know where it's one on one yeah. with the best guys. That's why they get good yeah. fast. Is because they. And look, I don't I don't blame anyone that's you know in someone in that position with that much going on with that high profile of a life jujitsu and I you know I've done it once and you kicked my ass but like. What what I gather from a big fan of UFC and stuff, what I gather is like that's a sport where you've got to be so locked in because if you are not locked in for a half a second, you're done. Yeah. And so I can oh, understand yeah. how someone living that life with so yeah. much going on would be drawn to something like jujitsu because yeah. you can't think about anything else. Can't think about anything so else. it it seems like that could be like maybe the one thing in your life that takes you away yeah. from all the, the shittier my life becomes. Like anytime there's like a lot of stress and it's like where your brain's always rolling around. How do I solve this problem? Mm -hmm. The more I want to spend time on the mats, because when you've got a dude hanging off your back, trying to choke you unconscious, you're not like, how, you know, how do I grow the company? Yeah. You know, like, yeah. Oh, my wife's mad at me. You're just like, get off my neck, you know? And it's, it's visceral. You're in the moment. So I think, you know, I think it's good that he's doing jujitsu. Yeah. I do find it comical though that people jump to the conclusion that he's a badass. I mean, yeah, yeah, truth, yeah, yeah. truth yeah. be told, like his jujitsu, you know, if you got into a fight with Mark Zuckerberg, he's not at a point where his jujitsu is going to help him. Oh, I'm kicking his ass. You know, right. yeah. I mean, <laughs> he's, he doesn't he doesn't have enough skill. It's like it's like if I uh, you know somebody came in here for a day and you showed them how to shoot, you know, like hey, here's how you shoot a film, and then left and left them with the equipment. Mm -hmm what product are you going to get from yeah, them? Even sure. if they're innately talented, it's going to suck. Like yeah. you jujitsu is a thing, all grappling arts, but jujitsu in particular, Tim Kennedy once said, nobody gets better at jujitsu in two years. So like, that's not true, but in two years, you don't go from terrible to, to even decent. You go from like terrible to functional. Yeah. It's it. It really is like a long journey to be able to grapple. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So sure. Yeah, I'm I'm very neutral on it. Good for the guy for picking up a new discipline, but um, yeah, I, I honestly don't really care what he's up to. But the headlines of a, a guy with a blue check and give you a black eye now, you know, kind of <laughs> oh god, <laughs> kind of makes me wanna, <laughs> kind of makes me wanna get on the mat so he doesn't kick my yeah, ass. Yeah, well, <laughs> yeah. After I hear that, now I hate him. No, now, now you want to beat him up. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Nah. Dan, uh, Dan is an athlete, and we had a. Uh, we had a Christmas party where we did uh, we we did shooting in the morning, which was awesome, and then in the uh, in the afternoon we did jujitsu, and uh, and Dan and I rolled and and had a good time. Yeah, my neck is still a little um, 
hurting a little bit from that choke. Uh, but I took a good nap after that choke, you know. It was like, <laughs> put me to sleep for a little bit. But yeah, people people don't want to hear the details. It's boring. boring I mean, details. long story short is Dan was like, you know, let's go for it on this one. And I was like... <laughs> <laughs> you know and so and so he did he did and because he's an athlete like you know anybody that do, that grapples knows you kind of meet the intensity level of the person that you're going with so with literally everyone else i was very low-key and let people work and you know but dan is a you know how tall are you dan six six he's a six foot six you know division one semi-pro pro basketball player and uh and, you know, he brought the heat. And so I, I up-leveled my level of heat to meet him. And, uh, you know, it may have gone too far. <laughs> <laughs> and and I, I just got the neck brace off last week. <laughs> well, it was, it was a lot of fun, honestly. It was, it was awesome. Gents, parting thoughts? I want to kick Zuckerberg's ass, I guess. Yeah. I guess fight, that's the next. Is this an official on-the-air Mark I'm calling out Zuck Mark Zuckerberg. Zuck Mark Zuckerberg, if you can hear me right now, I'm sure you're watching this. You, me, Matt, you name the time and the place. Meet me by the willow tree, buddy. We're going, it's going down. Cam, are you also fighting Zuckerberg? Yeah, I think we should just jump him. I wouldn't recommend that. <laughs> I'm pretty sure he's got security, plus, plus prison and whatnot. It's hard to lose, to win a match against a guy that has armed security that might shoot you then that's, right. that's right that's right yeah. zuckerberg i'm happy you're doing jujitsu i don't want to challenge you or anything i'll happily roll with you anytime but uh you know good luck folks that was the neutral position wrap thanks to dan and cam for being on here to talk with me and i hope you guys have a phenomenal week i'll see you tuesday don't forget to subscribe it helps us a lot makes our sponsors happy to see you guys are on board we appreciate it